Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year On Sunday nights at 9 join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And good evening. I'm John Harrison, producer of The Bible Live. Welcome to another Sunday edition of the show that takes you through the Bible in the span of a year. You know, you start around this time of the year, you know, in November, and Soapy is is uh, starting really what's his 23rd year on the air. That's that's amazing. And 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 you listen, and over the span of the year, through his re- through the readings of the Bible, you'll hear the entire book read. And uh, tonight's no different. On Sundays, though, uh, Soapy and his daughter Stacy, who aren't here this evening, they're they're, they're uh, kind of I guess recovering from. Uh, I was thinking it's been a long weekend, I think, for a lot of people, you know, with Thanksgiving. I hope y'all had a wonderful holiday and were able to spend it with family and friends and, uh, you know, give thanks for the many blessings that we all have in our lives. Health, happiness, family, friends. And uh, but anyway, when on Sundays, for those who are new to the program, we have the readings on online uh, at BibleLive.com, and we'll get into that a little bit uh, later in the show. So you go there and you listen to that day's readings, Monday through Friday, and then on Sunday you join us here and you listen and, and you listen to Soapy and Stacy as they kind of discuss that week's readings. And uh, we just started a new year, as I said, so we're in the book of Genesis. With Soapy and Stacy out of the stu- out of the studio tonight, it's not really going to be a discussion, but more of uh, going back and listening to some of the readings from this past week. I know some of you probably uh, missed it, busy with Thanksgiving and family and the holiday and everything. So we're going to wrap up Genesis and then get in get into Exodus. That's right, Exodus. And uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, you know, I've always wondered. Is it stuffing or dressing? I always say stuffing, but I, I don't know. People, you know, you ask different people, you get a different answer. It's like asking, is it Niosa or Neosa? Who, who knows? Anyway, 
I'm going to just hand it over to Soapy Dollar right now in the book of Genesis on the Bible Live Quiz Show. And we are glad you're with us tonight. Thank you for joining us for the Bible Live program. Here in the middle of the week, we have our midweek time at our little church, and we had our Thanksgiving celebration this evening. Everybody got a little potluck together. You know how these little church things go, and what a wonderful time. Oh, I'll tell you what, the little ladies of our church can cook. We've got one of the men in the congregation that loves to bake pies. Oh, my lands, he puts together the best. Bring us a pig. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Either bring us a piece or don't talk about it, one or the other. Well, I'll quit talking about it, but I hope you have a congregation, a church family, that you can really contribute to their lives by giving a part of your life to them as you open your heart and your life and your experiences. And letting them, of course, from their life experiences and with God, pour some of their enthusiasm, some of the lessons they've learned from the Lord, into your heart as well. There is a great blessing in community. Many times every year, as a pastor of even a small congregation like ours, and you can ask your pastor, he probably goes through somewhat the same experiences, People call up just out of the blue, not knowing you or anything, and say, look, I'm, I've got problems. I can't pay my electric bill, or I need food, or problems of this nature, or transportation. Do you have a church family? How about your biological family? It is alarming to me, in our American society, how many people are entirely cut off from any kind of support, like a family or like a church. Families are so fractured uh, often, and people don't get into a church family or a congregation. They don't attend. And so when disaster hits, they're stuck just having to call up people they don't even know. They have no relationships whatsoever. I always encourage them, don't cut yourself off from society. Don't cut yourself off from the community. Find a little congregation. Find a group of people you can help and contribute into their life. And that when the time comes, you may need a little assistance, someone to help you with one thing or another. Then you have some people that know you and trust you. You can know that they'll be glad and ready to help you as well. It is so fundamental and so important. Well, we'll get to our reading from the book of Genesis tonight. But right now, we're going to go to our wisdom and worship segment, always beginning with a reading from the Psalms or the Proverbs to get our evening started together. Let's go now to Psalm 13 on the Bible Life. Psalm 13. Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the light to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he has been so good to me. End of reading, Psalm 13. We stand and lift up our hands For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship him now. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Everyone 
the song. Holy is the Lord, the Lord God Almighty. Welcome back, everyone, to the Bible Live program. Your opportunity to listen to the Bible itself, the book of books, all the way through every year. We have just begun earlier this month our journey through the Bible, and we are still in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. But we will be finishing up the book of Genesis tomorrow night, actually. Tonight we're going to read chapters 43 through 46. As we read about these different events and these different people, we see the God of the universe interacting with people. Sometimes it's an individual, sometimes it's a family group, sometimes it's whole nations. We get a chance to see God acting and speaking in real time. From the things that we see and hear, we can learn about God and His ways. One of the things we've seen clearly, I like the phrase, the way up is down. In other words, to be brought up, we must be humbled. Let's go back now to the book of Genesis 43, 1 through 46, 27. Genesis 43. But there was no relief from the terrible famine throughout the land. When the grain they had brought from Egypt was almost gone, Jacob said to his son, Go again and buy us a little food. But Judah said, The man wasn't joking when he warned that we couldn't see him again unless Benjamin came along. If you let him come with us, we will go down and buy some food. But if you don't let Benjamin go, we may as well stay at home. Remember that the man said, You won't be allowed to come and see me unless your brother is with you. Why did you ever tell him you had another brother, Jacob Lowe? Why did you have to treat me with such cruelty? But the man specifically asked us about our family, they replied. He wanted to know whether our father was still living. And he asked us if we had another brother, so we told him. How could we have known he would say, Bring me your brother? Judah said to his father, Send the boy with me, and we will be on our way. Otherwise, we will all die of starvation. And not only we, but you and our little ones. I personally guarantee his safety. If I don't bring him back to you, then let me bear the blame forever. For we could have gone and returned twice by this time if you had let him come without delay. So their father Jacob finally said to them, If it can't be avoided, then at least do this. Fill your bags with the best products of the land. Take them to the man as gifts, balm, honey, spices, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money that you found in your sacks, as it was probably someone's mistake. Then take your brother and go back to the man. May God Almighty give you mercy as you go before the man, that he might release Simeon and return Benjamin. And if I must bear the anguish of their deaths, then so be it. So they took Benjamin and the gifts and doubled the money and hurried to Egypt, where they presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw that Benjamin was with them, he said to the manager of his household, These men will eat with me this noon. Take them inside and prepare a big feast. So the man did as he was told and took them to Joseph's palace. They were badly frightened when they saw where they were being taken. It's because of the money returned to us in our sacks, they said. He plans to pretend that we stole it. Then he will seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. As the brothers arrived at the entrance to the palace, they went over to the man in charge of Joseph's household. They said to him, Sir, after our first trip to Egypt to buy food, as we were returning home, we stopped for the night and opened our sacks. The money we had used to pay for the grain was there in our sacks. Here it is. We have brought it back again. We also have additional money to buy more grain. We have no idea how the money got into our sacks. Relax, don't worry about it, the household manager told them. Your God, the God of your ancestors, must have put it there. We collected your money all right. Then he released Simeon and brought him out to them. 
The brothers were then led into the palace and given water to wash their feet and food for their donkeys. They were told they would be eating there, so they prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon. When Joseph came, they gave him their gifts and bowed low before him. He asked them how they had been getting along, and then he said, How is your father, the old man you spoke about? Is he still alive? Yes, they replied, he is alive and well. Then they bowed again before him. Looking at his brother Benjamin, Joseph asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? May God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph made a hasty exit, because he was overcome with emotion for his brother and wanted to cry. Going into his private room, he wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, keeping himself under control. Bring on the food, he ordered. Joseph ate by himself, and his brothers were served at a separate table. The Egyptians sat at their own table because Egyptians despise Hebrews and refuse to eat with them. Joseph told each of his brothers where to sit, and to their amazement he seated them in the order of their ages, from the oldest to the youngest. Their food was served to them from Joseph's own table. He gave the largest serving to Benjamin five times as much as to any of the others. So they all feasted and drank freely with him. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 44. When his brothers were ready to leave, Joseph gave these instructions to the man in charge of his household. Fill each of their sacks with as much grain as they can carry, and put each man's money back into his sack. Then put my personal silver cup at the top of the youngest brother's sack along with his grain money. So the household manager did as he was told. The brothers were up at dawn and set out on their journey with their loaded donkeys. But when they were barely out of the city, Joseph said to his household manager, Chase after them and stop them. Ask them, Why have you repaid an act of kindness with such evil? What do you mean by stealing my master's personal silver drinking cup, which he uses to predict the future? What a wicked thing you have done! So the man caught up with them and spoke to them in the way he had been instructed. What are you talking about? The brothers responded. What kind of people do you think we are, that you accuse us of such a terrible thing? Didn't we bring back the money we found in our sacks? Why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If you find his cup with any of us, let that one die, and all the rest of us will be your master's slaves forever. Fair enough, the man replied, except that only the one who stole it will be a slave. The rest of you may go free. They quickly took their sacks from the backs of their donkeys and opened them. Joseph's servant began searching the oldest brother's sack, going on down the line to the youngest. The cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this, they tore their clothing in despair, loaded the donkeys again, and returned to the city. Joseph was still at home when Judah and his brothers arrived, and they fell to the ground before him. What were you trying to do, Joseph demanded? Didn't you know that a man such as I would know who stole it? And Judah said, Oh, my Lord, what can we say to you? How can we plead? How can we prove our innocence? God is punishing us for our sins. My Lord, we have all returned to be your slaves. We and our brother who had your cup in his sack. No, Joseph said, Only the man who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go home to your father. Then Judah stepped forward and said, My Lord, let me say just this one word to you. Be patient with me for a moment, for I know you could have me killed in an instant, as though you were Pharaoh himself. You asked us, my Lord, if we had a father or a brother. We said, Yes, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, his youngest son. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children. 
and his father loves him very much. And you said to us, Bring him here so I can see him. But we said to you, My lord, the boy cannot leave his father, for his father would die. But you told us, You may not see me again unless your youngest brother is with you. So we returned to our father and told him what you had said. And when he said, Go back again and buy us a little food, we replied, We can't unless you let our youngest brother go with us. We won't be allowed to see the man in charge of the grain unless our youngest brother is with us. Then my father said to us, You know that my wife had two sons, and that one of them went away and never returned, doubtless torn to pieces by some wild animal. I have never seen him since. If you take away his brother from me too, and any harm comes to him, you would bring my gray head down to the grave in deep sorrow. And now, my lord, I cannot go back to my father without the boy. Our father's life is bound up in the boy's life. When he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We will be responsible for bringing his gray head down to the grave in sorrow. My lord, I made a pledge to my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him, if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear the blame forever. Please, my lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I cannot bear to see what this would do to him. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 45 Joseph could stand it no longer. Out, all of you, he cried out to his attendants. He wanted to be alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept aloud. His sobs could be heard throughout the palace, and the news was quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Come over here, he said. So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But don't be angry with yourselves that you did this to me, for God did it. He sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. These two years of famine will grow to seven, during which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God has sent me here to keep you and your families alive, so that you will become a great nation. Yes, it was God who sent me here, not you. And he has made me a counselor to Pharaoh, manager of his entire household and ruler over all Egypt. Hurry, return to my father and tell him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. Come down to me right away. You will live in the land of Goshen so you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all that you have. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you and your household will come to utter poverty. Then Joseph said, You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I really am Joseph. Tell my father how I am honored here in Egypt. Tell him about everything you have seen, and bring him to me quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin also began to weep. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them, and then they began talking freely with him. The news soon reached Pharaoh. Joseph's brothers have come. Pharaoh was very happy to hear this, and so were his officials. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers to load their pack animals and return quickly to their homes in Canaan. 
tell them to bring your father and all of their families and to come here to Egypt to live. Tell them Pharaoh will assign to you the very best territory in the land of Egypt. You will live off the fat of the land. And tell your brothers to take wagons from Egypt, to carry their wives and little ones, and to bring your father here. Don't worry about your belongings, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. So the sons of Jacob did as they were told. Joseph gave them wagons, as Pharaoh had commanded, and he supplied them with provisions for the journey. And he gave each of them new clothes, but to Benjamin he gave five changes of clothes, and three hundred pieces of silver. He sent his father ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, and ten donkeys loaded with grain and all kinds of other food to be eaten on his journey. So he sent his brothers off, and as they left he called after them, Don't quarrel along the way! And they left Egypt and returned to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. Joseph is still alive, they told him, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned at the news. He couldn't believe it. But when they had given him Joseph's messages, and when he saw the wagons loaded with the food sent by Joseph, his spirit revived. Then Jacob said, It must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I will go and see him before I die. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 46. So Jacob set out for Egypt with all his possessions. And when he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he called. Here I am, Jacob replied. I am God, the voice said, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will see to it that you become a great nation there. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring your descendants back again. But you will die in Egypt with Joseph at your side. So Jacob left Beersheba, and his sons brought him to Egypt. They carried their little ones and wives in the wagons Pharaoh had provided for them. They brought their livestock, too, and all the belongings they had acquired in the land of Canaan. Jacob and his entire family arrived in Egypt, sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters, all his descendants. These are the names of the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob, who went with him to Egypt. Reuben was Jacob's oldest son. The sons of Reuben were Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul. Shaul's mother was a Canaanite woman. The sons of Levi were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The sons of Judah were Ur, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. But Ur and Onan had died in the land of Canaan. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamuel. The sons of Issachar were Tola, Pua, Jashub, and Shimron. The sons of Zebulun were Sered, Elon, and Jalil. These are the sons of Jacob who were born to Leah in Padanaram, along with their sister Dinah. In all, Jacob's descendants through Leah numbered 33. The sons of Gad were Zephon, Haggai, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Arodi, and Areli. The sons of Asher were Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, and Bariah. Their sister was named Sarah. Bariah's sons were Heber and Malkiel. These sixteen were descendants of Jacob through Zilpah, the servant given to Leah by her father Laban. The sons of Jacob's wife Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph's sons born in the land of Egypt were Manasseh and Ephraim. Their mother was Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of Heliopolis. 
Benjamin's sons were Bela, Beker, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Mupim, Hupim, and Ard. These fourteen were the descendants of Jacob and his wife Rachel. The son of Dan was Hushim. The sons of Naphtali were Jazil, Guni, Jezer, and Shalem. These seven were the descendants of Jacob through Bilhah, the servant given to Rachel by her father Laban. So the total number of Jacob's direct descendants who went with him to Egypt, not counting his son's wives, was sixty-six. Joseph also had two sons who had been born in Egypt. So altogether there were seventy members of Jacob's family in the land of Egypt. End of reading, Genesis. Well, there's our music. That means we've come to the end of our first segment in in Genesis. We have more from the book of Genesis coming up after the break. And, of course, as I promised, uh, some information about Soapy's website and uh, how to listen to uh, these, these readings again or any other readings you'd like to listen to. He has them posted on his website, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Stay tuned. More of the Bible Live Quiz Show on the way. Welcome back to the Bible Live Quiz Show. That's right. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. That's right. And thank you, Lord, for the faith that Soapy and Stacy have in me to uh, kind of uh, hold down the ship, uh, you know, to kind of guide this this week. Uh, I did this a couple of weeks ago. I've done it about uh, a handful of times since uh, becoming their producer. And uh, I'm I'm very proud to be a part of this wonderful ministry. So, uh, uh, before the break, we were talking about the Bible Live website. That's right, the Bible Live website. You can find it at at BibleLive.com. You don't even have to type the. It's BibleLive.com. And then, if you want to re-listen. Uh, to some of the readings you heard this evening, or you want to listen to a, a, a totally different reading, look on our podcast at the top of the page of the homepage, and then click on programs, and there you go. Whole host of, of, of various readings read by uh, passages from the Bible, read by, of course, 
the one and only Soapy Dollar. And speaking of which, let's just get right back into the book of Genesis. Wrap that up with Soapy right now here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. All right, thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Glad to be with you tonight for this edition of the Bible Live broadcast. We are finishing the book of Genesis with Jacob and his family saved by Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery down in Egypt. They begin now this 400-year period that was prophesied way back in the time even of Abraham. Now, they don't start out being slaves. They start out being honored guests there in the land of Goshen. But soon it turns to intimidation. They become a threat to the Pharaoh, the political powers of the society they're in, and they become a slave nation. We'll get to that in just a moment. I'll catch you up a little bit more with some of the context. Right now, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment. Psalm 14 begins with that very famous statement that only the fool denies God. David is the author of this Psalm 14. It talks about the groundlessness of saying that there is no God, no creator, no designer, because it wipes out all kinds of things in our human experience that are so positive and good. Beauty, morality, all go down the tube if there is no God. Let's listen to the Bible. Psalm 14. Only fools say in their hearts there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. No one does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if there is even one with real understanding, one who seeks for God. But no, all have turned away from God. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not even one. Will those who do evil never learn? They eat up my people like bread. They wouldn't think of praying to the Lord. Terror will grip them, for God is with those who obey him. The wicked frustrate the plans of the oppressed, but the Lord will protect his people. Oh, that salvation would come from Mount Zion to rescue Israel. For when the Lord restores his people, Jacob will shout with joy, and Israel will rejoice. End of reading, Psalm 14. to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Only fools say in their heart there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. Interesting insight there. Those who deny God and refuse to acknowledge Him or at the very least to have a heart of gratitude for the goodness that the Creator has given to us, they often say, well, we're just as good as you. It's hard for us Christians or believers to say, well, no, you're not good, you're wicked, you're evil, because they are neighbors and they take care of their garden and mow their lawn and do things like us. And yet the Bible is clear that those who refuse to acknowledge their Creator and refuse to even show gratitude for the Creator That is indeed the heart, the foundation of wickedness and selfishness. I can see it. I can see the logic of it. I really can. Well, let's go now to the book of Genesis, picking up in chapter 46 at verse 28. Jacob's family finally moves on down into Egypt. They meet the Pharaoh and get their life started there on the Bible line. Genesis 46, 28 through 50, 26. Genesis 46. Jacob sent Judah on ahead to meet Joseph and get directions to the land of Goshen. 
And when they all arrived there, Joseph prepared his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father. As soon as Joseph arrived, he embraced his father and wept on his shoulder for a long time. Then Jacob said to Joseph, Now let me die, for I have seen you with my own eyes and know that you are still alive. And Joseph said to his brothers and to all their household, I'll go and tell Pharaoh that you have all come from the land of Canaan to join me. And I will tell him these men are shepherds and livestock breeders. They have brought with them their flocks and herds and everything they own. So when Pharaoh calls for you and asks you about your occupation, tell him, We have been livestock breeders from our youth, as our ancestors have been for many generations. When you tell him this, he will let you live here in the land of Goshen, for shepherds are despised in the land of Egypt. Genesis 47 So Joseph went to see Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers are here from Canaan. They came with all their flocks and herds and possessions, and they are now in the land of Goshen. Joseph took five of his brothers with him and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked them, What is your occupation? And they replied, We are shepherds like our ancestors. We have come to live here in Egypt, for there is no pasture for our flocks in Canaan. The famine is very severe there. We request permission to live in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Now that your family has joined you here, choose any place you like for them to live. Give them the best land of Egypt. The land of Goshen will be fine. And if any of them have special skills, put them in charge of my livestock too. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. How old are you? Pharaoh asked him. Jacob replied, I have lived for 130 hard years, but I am still not nearly as old as many of my ancestors. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh again before he left. So Joseph assigned the best land of Egypt, the land of Ramses, to his father and brothers, just as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph furnished food to his father and brothers in amounts appropriate to the number of their dependents. Meanwhile, the famine became worse and worse, and the crops continued to fail throughout Egypt and Canaan. Joseph collected all the money in Egypt and Canaan in exchange for grain, and he brought the money to Pharaoh's treasure house. When the people of Egypt and Canaan ran out of money, they came to Joseph crying again for food. Our money is gone, they said, but give us bread. Why should we die? Well, then Joseph replied, since your money is gone, give me your livestock. I will give you food in exchange. So they gave their livestock to Joseph in exchange for food. Soon all the horses, flocks, herds, and donkeys of Egypt were in Pharaoh's possession. But at least they were able to purchase food for that year. The next year they came again and said, Our money is gone, and our livestock are yours. We have nothing left but our bodies and land. Why should we die before your very eyes? Buy us and our land in exchange for food. We will then become servants to Pharaoh. Just give us grain so that our lives may be saved, and so the land will not become empty and desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. All the Egyptians sold him their fields because the famine was so severe, and their land then belonged to Pharaoh. Thus all the people of Egypt became servants to Pharaoh. The only land he didn't buy was that belonging to the priests, for they were assigned food from Pharaoh and didn't need to sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, See, I have bought you and your land for Pharaoh. I will provide you with seeds so you can plant the fields. Then when you harvest it, a fifth of your crop will belong to Pharaoh. Keep four-fifths for yourselves, and use it to plant the next year's crop, and to feed yourselves, your households, and your little ones. You have saved our lives, they exclaimed. May it please you, sir, to let us be Pharaoh's servants. 
Joseph then made it a law throughout the land of Egypt, and it is still the law that Pharaoh should receive one-fifth of all the crops grown on his land. But since Pharaoh had not taken over the priest's land, they were exempt from this payment. So the people of Israel settled in the land of Goshen in Egypt. And before long, they began to prosper there, and their population grew rapidly. Jacob lived for 17 years after his arrival in Egypt. So he was 147 years old when he died. As the time of his death drew near, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If you are pleased with me, swear most solemnly that you will honor this my last request. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I am dead, take me out of Egypt and bury me beside my ancestors. So Joseph promised that he would. Swear that you will do it, Jacob insisted. So Joseph gave his oath, and Jacob bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 48. One day not long after this, word came to Joseph that his father was failing rapidly. So Joseph went to visit him, and he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Jacob heard that Joseph had arrived, he gathered his strength and sat up in bed to greet him. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luce in the land of Canaan and blessed me. He said to me, I will make you a multitude of nations, and I will give this land of Canaan to you and your descendants as an everlasting possession. Now I am adopting as my own sons these two boys of yours, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born here in the land of Egypt before I arrived. They will inherit from me just as Reuben and Simeon will, but the children born to you in the future will be your own. The land they inherit will be within the territories of Ephraim and Manasseh. As I was returning from Padan, Rachel died in the land of Canaan. We were still on the way just a short distance from Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. So with great sorrow I buried her there beside the road to Ephrath. Then Jacob looked over at the two boys. Are these your sons, he asked? Yes, Joseph told him. These are the sons God has given me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, Bring them over to me, and I will bless them. Now Jacob was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him, and Jacob kissed and embraced them. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought I would see you again, but now God has let me see your children too. Joseph took the boys from their grandfather's knees, and he bowed low to him. Then he positioned the boys so Ephraim was at Jacob's left hand, and Manasseh was at his right hand. But Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boys' heads. So his right hand was on the head of Ephraim, the younger boy, and his left hand was on the head of Manasseh, the older. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May God, the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life, and the angel who has kept me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they preserve my name and the names of my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac, and may they become a mighty nation. But Joseph was upset when he saw that his father had laid his right hand on Ephraim's head. So he lifted it to place it on Manasseh's head instead. No, father, he said, this one over here is older. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. I know what I'm doing, my son, he said. Manasseh too will become a great people, but his younger brother will become even greater. His descendants will become a multitude of nations. So Jacob blessed the boys that day with this blessing. The people of Israel will use your names to bless each other. They will say, May God make you as prosperous as Ephraim and Manasseh. In this way, Jacob put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. 
Then Jacob said to Joseph, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to Canaan, the land of your ancestors. And I give you an extra portion beyond what I have given your brothers, the portion that I took from the Amorites with my sword and bow. This is the Bible, lie with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 49. Then Jacob called together all his sons and said, Gather around me, and I will tell you what is going to happen to you in the days to come. Come and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my oldest son, the child of my vigorous youth. You are first on the list in rank and honor. But you are as unruly as the waves of the sea, and you will be first no longer. For you slept with one of my wives. You dishonored me in my own bed. Simeon and Levi are two of a kind, men of violence. Oh, my soul, stay away from them. May I never be a party to their wicked plans. For in their anger they murdered men, and they crippled oxen just for sport. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce. Cursed be their wrath, for it is cruel. Therefore I will scatter their descendants throughout the nation of Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will defeat your enemies. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who will dare to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will obey. He ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of his donkey to a choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine because his harvest is so plentiful. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth are whiter than milk. Zebulun will settle on the shores of the sea and will be a harbor for ships. His borders will extend to Sidon. Issachar is a strong beast of burden resting among the sheepfolds. When he sees how good the countryside is, how pleasant the land, he will bend his shoulder to the task and submit to forced labor. Dan will govern his people like any other tribe of Israel. He will be a snake beside the road, a poisonous viper along the path that bites the horse's heels so the rider is thrown off. I trust in you for salvation, O Lord. Gad will be plundered by marauding bands, but he will turn and plunder them. Asher will produce rich foods, food fit for a king. Naphtali is a deer let loose, producing magnificent fawns. Joseph is a fruitful tree, a fruitful tree beside a fountain. His branches reach over the wall. He has been attacked by archers who shot at him and harassed him. But his bow remained strong, and his arms were strengthened by the mighty one of Jacob, the shepherd, the rock of Israel. May the God of your ancestors help you. May the Almighty bless you with the blessings of the heavens above, blessings of the earth beneath, and blessings of the breasts and womb. May the blessings of your ancestors be greater than the blessings of the eternal mountains, reaching to the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills. These blessings will fall on the head of Joseph, who is a prince among his brothers. Benjamin is a wolf that prowls. He devours his enemies in the morning, and in the evening he divides the plunder. These are the twelve tribes of Israel, and these are the blessings with which Jacob blessed his twelve sons. Each received a blessing that was appropriate to him. Then Jacob told them, Soon I will die. Bury me with my father and grandfather in the cave in Ephron's field. This is the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in Canaan, 
which Abraham bought from Ephron the Hittite for a permanent burial place. There Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried. And there I buried Leah. It is the cave that my grandfather Abraham bought from the Hittites. Then when Jacob had finished this charge to his sons, he lay back in the bed, breathed his last, and died. This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar. Genesis 50 Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph told his morticians to embalm the body. The embalming process took 40 days, and there was a period of national mourning for 70 days. When the period of mourning was over, Joseph approached Pharaoh's advisors and asked them to speak to Pharaoh on his behalf. He told them, Tell Pharaoh that my father made me swear an oath. He said to me, I am about to die. Take my body back to the land of Canaan and bury me in our family's burial cave. Now I need to go and bury my father. After his burial is complete, I will return without delay. Pharaoh agreed to Joseph's request. Go and bury your father as you promised, he said. So Joseph went with a great number of Pharaoh's counselors and advisors, all the senior officers of Egypt. Joseph also took his brothers and the entire household of Jacob. But they left their little children and flocks and herds in the land of Goshen. So a great number of chariots, cavalry, and people accompanied Joseph. When they arrived at the threshing floor of Atad, near the Jordan River, they held a very great and solemn funeral, with a seven-day period of mourning for Joseph's father. The local residents, the Canaanites, renamed the place Abel Mizraim, for they said, This is a place of very deep mourning for these Egyptians. So Jacob's sons did as he had commanded them. They carried his body to the land of Canaan and buried it there in the cave of Machpelah. This is the cave that Abraham had bought for a permanent burial place in the field of Ephron the Hittite near Mamre. Then Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's funeral. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became afraid. Now Joseph will pay us back for all the evil we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, Forgive your brothers for the great evil they did to you. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive us. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and bowed low before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph told them, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God to judge and punish you? As far as I am concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to the high position I have today so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. Indeed, I myself will take care of you and your families. And he spoke very kindly to them, reassuring them. So Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt. Joseph was 110 years old when he died. He lived to see three generations of descendants of his son Ephraim and the children of Manasseh's son Machir, who were treated as if they were his own. Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come for you to lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he vowed to give to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath, and he said, When God comes to lead us back to Canaan, you must take my body back with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110. They embalmed him, and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. 
end of reading Genesis 46:28 through 50:26. Well, there's our music, which means it's time for another break. But on the other side, we're going to begin the book of Exodus. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show. Together, let us join as one. Let us turn our faces to the rising sun. Let us go up to Zion, to God's holy hill. A mighty army that will worship Him. We will worship Him. We will worship Him. Jesus, He's our King. We will worship Him. Let the oceans roar. Let the heavens ring to the glory. It is time for war As we sing Hosanna As we praise the Lord He will still the accuser Crush the enemy As we celebrate God's victory We will worship Him We will worship Him Jesus, He's our King Let the oceans roar, let the heavens ring to the glory of our God as we worship. We will worship Him, we will worship Him, Jesus, He's our King, we will worship Him, let the oceans roar, let the heavens ring, to the glory of our God as we worship traveled on, paid with all the tribulations of the martyrs that have gone. If you're grateful for their victory and for showing us the way, then give thanks for all your blessings. Get on your knees and pray. Thank God for every flower and each tree. Thank God for all the mountains and the sea. God, words of wisdom from from the legendary Hank Williams Sr. 
John Harrison here, producer of The Bible Live. This is The Bible Live Quiz Show. Soapy and Stacy are away from the studio. I guess resting from a long Thanksgiving weekend, kind of getting things back in uh, back in order. And they'll be back again next week, and they'll be taking your calls, your questions, just comments, anything you have uh, have to ask or, or comment on regarding the Bible or the previous week's readings. And uh, right now we're going to get back into the readings. We're going to start with the book of Exodus. We finished Genesis. Now we're going into Exodus. Here's Soapy Dollar on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Read through all 66 books, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, every year. We've just completed our first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, just last evening. We have read about the beginning of the creation of the world, of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, of the fall of man into sin. We saw the expansion of the human race to the time of Noah and the great flood. God's intention would be diversity in the human race, that there would be different nations and people groups and languages so that the sin nature would not be magnified as all men walking together. Whenever we are broken into competing people groups and cultures and societies and language groups, it seems to serve as some way as a check and a balance on the sin nature in the human race. And that was God's design. They did not do that. And the human race went in about 1,500 years to a time of great wickedness, and they were judged. And Noah and his family survived. We saw them expand afterwards. God gave them that command again. Again, they disobeyed him. But God this time confused the languages at the Tower of Babel, accomplishing the diversity and the spreading out that he wanted. The human race expanded, and we picked up with Abraham. He was one who honored God, acknowledged God, worshiped God, and God called him to leave his land and go to Canaan, the land that he would show him. There he established a covenant with them, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph down in Egypt. Joseph died in our last reading down in Egypt. Just tracing there through the book of Genesis, the whole clan has now moved down into Egypt, and that's where we left them, down in Egypt. We'll be picking up in our first chapter of the book of Exodus tonight after about 400 years, and now we will see the Exodus coming out of Egypt. Before we get to that, though, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment tonight, Guidelines for Living a Blameless Life, a prayer of King David here on The Bible Life. Psalm 15. Worship in your sanctuary, Lord, who may enter your presence on your holy hill. Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth with sincere hearts. Those who refuse to slander others or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise persistent sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Those who do not charge interest on the money they lend and who refuse to accept bribes to testify against the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. End of reading, Psalm 15.
as I have already explained, we have left now the people of Israel. Well, I say the people of Israel. They are not a nation by any stretch at this point. They are 70 people, just a small clan. Jacob, his 12 sons, his one daughter, Dinah, and their families, of course. They've made the transition down into Egypt. Let's read about their exodus. Exodus 1-1 through 6-13. Exodus 1. These are the sons of Jacob who went with their father to Egypt, each with his family. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Joseph was already down in Egypt. In all, Jacob had 70 direct descendants. In time, Joseph and each of his brothers died, ending that generation. But their descendants had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so quickly that they soon filled the land. Then a new king came to the throne of Egypt, who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He told his people, these Israelites are becoming a threat to us because there are so many of them. We must find a way to put an end to this. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves and put brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down under heavy burdens. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more quickly the Israelites multiplied. The Egyptians soon became alarmed and decided to make their slavery more bitter still. They were ruthless with the Israelites, forcing them to make bricks and mortar and to work long hours in the fields. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women give birth, kill all the boys as soon as they are born. Allow only the baby girls to live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king and allowed the boys to live too. Then the king called for the midwives. Why have you done this? he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? Sir, they told him, the Hebrew women are very strong. They have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. They are not slow in giving birth like Egyptian women. So God blessed the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw all the newborn Israelite boys into the Nile River, but you may spare the baby girls. Exodus 2 During this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw what a beautiful baby he was and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a little basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the edge of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon after this, one of Pharaoh's daughters came down to bathe in the river, and her servant girls walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the little basket among the reeds, she told one of her servant girls to get it for her. As the princess opened it, she found the baby boy. His helpless cries touched her heart. He must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl rushed home and called the baby's mother. Take this child home and nurse him for me, the princess told her. I will pay you for your help. So the baby's mother took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when he was older, the child's mother brought him back to the princess, who adopted him as her son. The princess named him Moses, for she said, I drew him out of the water. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his people, the Israelites, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of the Hebrew slaves. After looking around to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. The next day, as Moses was out visiting his people again, 
he saw two Hebrew men fighting. What are you doing hitting your neighbor like that? Moses said to the one in the wrong. Who do you think you are? The man replied. Who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Do you plan to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Moses was badly frightened because he realized that everyone knew what he had done. And sure enough, when Pharaoh heard about it, he gave orders to have Moses arrested and killed. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and escaped to the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now it happened that the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came regularly to this well to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flocks. But other shepherds would often come and chase the girls and their flocks away. This time, however, Moses came to their aid, rescuing the girls from the shepherds. Then he helped them draw water for their flocks. When the girls returned to Reuel, their father, he asked, How did you get the flocks watered so quickly today? An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they told him, and then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Well, where is he then? their father asked. Did you just leave him there? Go and invite him home for a meal. Moses was happy to accept the invitation, and he settled down to live with them. In time, Reuel gave Moses one of his daughters, Zipporah, to be his wife. Later they had a baby boy, and Moses named him Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites still groaned beneath their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their pleas for deliverance rose up to God. God heard their cries, and remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the Israelites and felt deep concern for their welfare. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Exodus 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he went deep into the wilderness near Sinai, the mountain of God. Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to him as a blazing fire in a bush. Moses was amazed, because the bush was engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. Amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go over to see this. When the Lord saw that he had caught Moses' attention, God called to him from the bush, Moses! Moses! Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, God told him. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he hid his face in his hands because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, You can be sure I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries for deliverance from the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own good and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites live. The cries of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how the Egyptians have oppressed them with heavy tasks. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You will lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Moses asked God. How can you expect me to lead the Israelites out of Egypt? Then God told him, I will be with you, and this will serve as proof that I have sent you. When you have brought the Israelites out of Egypt, you will return here to worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they won't believe me. They will ask, Which God are you talking about? What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied, I am the one who always is. Just tell them, I am has sent me to you. God also said, Tell them the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This will be my name forever. It has always been my name, and it will be used throughout all generations. Now go and call together all the leaders of Israel. 
Tell them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me in a burning bush. He said, you can be sure that I am watching over you and have seen what is happening to you in Egypt. I promise to rescue you from the oppression of the Egyptians. I will lead you to the land now occupied by the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The leaders of the people of Israel will accept your message. Then all of you must go straight to the king of Egypt and tell him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us go on a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go except under heavy pressure. So I will reach out and strike at the heart of Egypt with all kinds of miracles. Then at last he will let you go. And I will see to it that the Egyptians treat you well. They will load you down with gifts so you will not leave empty-handed. The Israelite women will ask for silver and gold jewelry and find clothing from their Egyptian neighbors and their neighbors' guests. With this clothing, you will dress your sons and daughters. In this way, you will plunder the Egyptians. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Exodus 4. But Moses protested again. Look, they won't believe me. They won't do what I tell them. They'll just say, the Lord never appeared to you. Then the Lord asked him, what do you have there in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw it down, and it became a snake. Moses was terrified, so he turned and ran away. Then the Lord told him, Take hold of its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it became a shepherd's staff again. Perform this sign, and they will believe you, the Lord told him. Then they will realize that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Put your hand inside your robe. Moses did so, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with leprosy. Now put your hand back into your robe again, the Lord said. Moses did, and when he took it out this time, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. If they do not believe the first miraculous sign, they will believe the second, the Lord said. And if they do not believe you even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, it will turn into blood. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm just not a good speaker. I never have been, and I'm not now, even after you have spoken to me. I'm clumsy with words. Who makes mouths? The Lord asked him. Who makes people so they can speak or not speak, hear or not hear, see or not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and do as I have told you. I will help you speak well, and I will tell you what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? He is a good speaker, and look, he is on his way to meet you now. And when he sees you, he will be very glad. You will talk to him, giving him the words to say. I will help both of you to speak clearly, and I will tell you what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people, and you will be as God to him, telling him what to say. And be sure to take your shepherd's staff along, so you can perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. Then Moses went back home and talked it over with Jethro, his father-in-law. With your permission, Moses said, I would like to go back to Egypt to visit my family. I don't even know whether they are still alive. Go with my blessing, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid to return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand he carried the staff of God. Then the Lord reminded him, When you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform the miracles I have empowered you to do. But I will make him stubborn so he will not let the people go. Then you will tell him, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. I commanded you to let him go so he could worship me. But since you have refused, be warned. 
I will kill your firstborn son. On the journey, when Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted Moses and was about to kill him. But Zipporah, his wife, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She threw the foreskin at Moses' feet and said, What a blood-smeared bridegroom you are to me. When she called Moses a blood-smeared bridegroom, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. Now the Lord had said to Aaron, Go out into the wilderness to meet Moses. So Aaron traveled to the mountain of God, where he found Moses and greeted him warmly. Moses then told Aaron everything the Lord had commanded them to do and say, and he told him about the miraculous signs they were to perform. So Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called the leaders of Israel to a meeting. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. The leaders were soon convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. And when they realized that the Lord had seen their misery and was deeply concerned for them, they all bowed their heads and worshipped. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Exodus 5. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went to see Pharaoh. They told him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, for they must go out into the wilderness to hold a religious festival in my honor. Is that so? retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord that I should listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us, they declared. Let us take a three-day trip into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, we will surely die by disease or the sword. Who do you think you are, Pharaoh shouted, distracting the people from their tasks. Get back to work. Look, there are many people here in Egypt, and you are stopping them from doing their work. That same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the slave drivers and foremen he had set over the people of Israel. Do not supply the people with any more straw for making bricks. Let them get it themselves. But don't reduce their production quotas by a single brick. They obviously don't have enough to do. If they did, they wouldn't be talking about going into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to their God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to these liars. So the slave drivers and foremen informed the people, Pharaoh has ordered us not to provide straw for you. Go and get it yourselves. Find it wherever you can, but you must produce just as many bricks as before. So the people scattered throughout the land in search of straw. The slave drivers were brutal. Meet your daily quota of bricks just as you did before, they demanded. Then they whipped the Israelite foremen in charge of the work crews. Why haven't you met your quotas either yesterday or today, they demanded. So the Israelite foremen went to Pharaoh and pleaded with him. Please don't treat us like this, they begged. We are given no straw, but we are still told to make as many bricks as before. We are beaten for something that isn't our fault. It is the fault of your slave drivers for making such unreasonable demands. But Pharaoh replied, You're just lazy. You obviously don't have enough to do. If you did, you wouldn't be saying, Let us go so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the regular quota of bricks. Since Pharaoh would not let up on his demands, the Israelite foremen could see that they were in serious trouble. As they left Pharaoh's court, they met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, May the Lord judge you for getting us into this terrible situation with Pharaoh and his officials. You have given them an excuse to kill us. So Moses went back to the Lord and protested, Why have you mistreated your own people like this, Lord? Why did you send me? Since I gave Pharaoh your message, he has been even more brutal to your people. You have not even begun to rescue them. Exodus 6 now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh, the Lord told Moses. When he feels my powerful hand upon him, he will let the people go. In fact, he will be so anxious to get rid of them that he will force them to leave this land. 
And God continued, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, though I did not reveal my name, the Lord, to them. And I entered into a solemn covenant with them. Under its terms, I swore to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel, who are now slaves to the Egyptians. I have remembered my covenant with them. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will free you from slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with mighty power and great acts of judgment. I will make you my own special people, and I will be your God. And you will know that I am the Lord your God, who has rescued you from your slavery in Egypt. And I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It will be your very own property. I am the Lord. So Moses told the people what the Lord had said, but they wouldn't listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the increasing burden of their slavery. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go back to Pharaoh and tell him to let the people of Israel leave Egypt. But Lord, Moses objected, My own people won't listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I'm no orator. But the Lord ordered Moses and Aaron to return to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to demand that he let the people of Israel leave Egypt. End of reading Exodus 1-1 through 6-13. John Harrison here. You're listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show. And we're just seconds away from the end of the program. That was the book of Exodus that Soapy was reading from. And tune in next week. Soapy and Stacy will be back in the studio. And until then, have a great week. And good night.
The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 